Welcome to Boots Off Log On, a podcast where we talk all things farm business. A show about the business of farming, bringing you insights and wisdom from the leaders in farm business, helping you minimise risk and maximise return on all your hard work. I'm David and I'll be your host for the show. Welcome everybody. Today I'm talking with Mark Morton. Mark is the Principal Consultant with Agribusiness Concepts in Northern New South Wales. Mark has had a 30-year career in agribusiness. His agribusiness career has spanned banking, the CEO of a successful agri-software company, and farm business advisory. He has a broad and deep knowledge of farm financial management, so he has a good perspective on what makes for successful farm financial management. In this discussion, we talk about the importance of having a management accounting focus in your farm as opposed to just a tax accounting focus, and why it is important to take personal responsibility for your farm financial management. We had a few interruptions due to dodgy internet connection, which many of you in regional Australia would be used to, and we did our best to manage that. I hope you enjoy the conversation with Mark today as much as I did, and thank you again for joining us. Now over to Mark. Welcome, Mark. Morning. Thanks very much, David, for the introduction. Quite a, a wide-ranging commentary. But, uh, yeah, you're quite right. It's quite a broad, <laughs> broad career. But there's been one central tenant, and it's, you know, I've felt that what makes farm businesses work are really robust financial management processes. And through all my career, that's been one of the consistent point from finance to consulting software development and uh, now in this current capacity of, of consulting again but in, in a far-reaching you know, broader context. Yeah definitely so we've talked about finance a number of times Mark and I really want to give the listeners a, a bit of a background because you've got a really long pedigree in farm finance from all different edges of, of, of different viewpoints, I think, of, of the farm business. And really, could you just introduce yourself a little bit to people to tell them, because you can, you've looked at businesses in different ways throughout your career, which gives you um, really the, the, the viewpoints that we're going to be talking about today. Sure. So in the early part of career, it's in the first 10-year block, was, it was working for uh, a number of banks that were, were dedicated to work in this agribusiness field. So from commodity financing in Sydney, in my first first stint, financing cotton, rice, and that was an interesting story. Trying to finance rice into Iraq was was, was uh, one of the more challenging discussions. And then, you know, I had a connection to the cotton industry, you know, in northern New South Wales. So then I moved with uh, Westpac up to Moree and I spent the best part of 10 years in Moree working with predominantly the cotton industry um, but with banks and then in a consulting role and trying to get to the depths of understanding the economics around the cotton industry and what made that industry tick. How, do, how, does that, 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 how did that cotton industry work? And then how did I get into to software, people ask. And as a consultant at the time, I had the best Excel spreadsheets for all the modelling that was done. And, of course, everyone you know has a similar view. I say that tongue-in-cheek, of course. But it reinforced to me the need for a consistent financial management process in ag that I felt in some respects was lacking. 
So that led me to take on the CEO's role of Practical Systems, you know, an Armadale software developer who had a presence, particularly on the East Coast, livestock and farming industries from central Queensland to Victoria mainly. And we built a process for for clients to, to have a really strong uh, financial management process. And I'll talk about that a little later. But that was the heart of it, where we saw the need and the types of decisions that people were making or could make when they had those processes embedded. And that was the exciting thing, was that when, when a client could put together a management set of accounts that told the story where they were at, they could also articulate where they want to be and what does success look like, what does that endpoint look like. And the types of conversations that they're involved with were really quite enlightening and very powerful, very engaging, very successful, and ultimately quite rewarding. So I find myself in this position again, which is really strange that in running a business it gets back to having a core set of financial capabilities, that providing oversight on those processes and working with those clients where those processes are well entrenched and then looking to take advantage of the of the story that that it's telling them. Yeah, Mark, have we um, got in touch again? Because we'd we'd met each other at events over the years, but really it was around this conversation around farm finances. And what you said to me was, David, I think people have to ensure they have really good, strong financial processes in place. Um, so, can you? elaborate on that a bit you know when sure. you talk about you know farm finance and and the things that you see going right and wrong at the moment in farm finance is probably a good place to drill down on sure look david we can get you know we've talked the esoterics and what the need is but what are those core capabilities and let me just say that essential function is to being able to put together a balance sheet that reports where a business is at at the end of a particular period. And now that sounds like quite a, a generic statement. But if you think about a balance sheet, is it tells a story. What do I own? What do I owe? Is my balance sheet growing or is it receding? Does every number on that balance sheet make sense? And the reason why I'm a big fan of, of that balance sheet story is that no number is right unless all numbers are right. As a business owner, we like to look at that balance sheet and say, I know every number that's on it and what it represents. And then when we take that process on, we know the story, we know where we want to get to, and we know what it's going to look like when it gets there. That's the start. That's the first point. Now, regrettably, what I think has happened in the last particularly five years has been the growth of the generic online accounting process, and to be fair to zero. That program and that business has done an amazing job to revolutionise that accounting process and it's taken the world by storm and it's doing very well. But sadly, that core fundamental, for particularly for a primary producer, it's gone missing. So we've, we've, we've sacrificed the industry-specific capabilities for a generic capability and then we've lost sight of some of those nuances and insights that come with, with a dedicated industry Tool. In this case, AgriMaster, Cashbook, Phoenix, now they're the three main ag participants, 
But I'll go one step further. If you're in a tyre business, you'll probably find your industry has a specific accounting process for distributing and manufacturing tyres. You know, vet practices have the same thing. Medical practices do the same thing. So my challenge today is to ask your audience, am I using a tool that's specific for my industry that's designed for what I do? So if I, if, I, if I keep that conversation going and talking about that balance sheet process, pretty generic, but within that balance sheet is also reporting uh, livestock trading accounts or those livestock numbers or those commodity numbers, wheat, barley, canola, cotton, or whatever it happens to be. But as you, get, you, know, you harvest that, that, that tonnage, you want to record it, you record it in your profit and loss, you record it as a, as a production event, on your balance sheet might be a thousand, two thousand ton a week. Therefore, there's there's growth. In the livestock sense, having on our balance sheet that we know what the value of livestock are, how many we've got, by what age classes are they, what are the dynamics that are reported around the trading accounts, and I put this point out there. I would be very challenged by the number of happy to be challenged by the number of livestock producers that can put together regular and consistently a set of livestock trading accounts, not the end-of-year ones, but on a monthly basis. And here's why it's really important, is that the vast majority of decisions as a livestock producer, that you make as a livestock producer, will be reflected in the trading accounts. Consider reproduction performance, growth, marketing, regrettably losses. But there's that neat point where, where the outcomes are reported. It's a point of success to say, I can see my business succeeding. I can see my goals being achieved because I have a reference point to say that those numbers are coming together. So, Mark, can I just click on that one a bit? Sure. You're talking about the – go back to your even your experience in banking. One of the biggest challenges I, when I'm talking to senior agribusiness bankers is the inability to get good um, stock, uh, you know, um, stock um, trading accounts, stock recs. Or both and forecasted stock reconciliations. Can you speak to that? Why it's a really important skill, and we're seeing it a skill that's less and less available at the moment. Look, let, let, why is it important? Let's consider the values that that, that are that are currently being experienced. You know, a business with three thousand use at today's values easily has has a million a million dollar plus inventory. So why is it important? One, because there's value. Secondly. Understanding those, the, the opening numbers, the natural increase events, sales and purchases, and where they go is a basis for that cash flow assessment. So to go to your point, why is it that, that we think that you know, the banks and those agribusiness bankers are experiencing some, I'll use the word frustration? It's because it's so important, yet that skill has not been uh, well set. And that's not to say that's not available, I mean, we're all aware of the longevity and the legacy, particularly around the RCS Grazing for Profit School, where, where that process is well taught. But it's a measure of understanding risk and volatility, what's owned, what's producing, what's not, and particularly where banks are being asked to fund uh, trading positions around livestock, perhaps investments in core breeding stock, and they're asking for a substantiation to say, well, can you please tell me the dynamics of what's in that livestock business? Yet here's a tool that's been taught for many years in a range of forums uh, across a range of institutions that even despite 
that conversation, its take-up is, how can I say, relatively inconsistent. Yet if we do, I think it's one thing the livestock business in particular can make it, have a significant inroad to see opportunities yeah. and to, you know, to, I'm investing in technology. Where will I see the reward? Please, it's one spot. It's in that stock flow, that, that, those trade yeah, accounts. That- yeah, so you mentioned so one of the things you're doing now in your consulting is is helping people develop business strategy, both both in actual business strategy and everything right down to cash flows to funding those strategies, etc. Can you uh, the the importance of everything you've talked about today and how you how the importance of clients and the difference it makes to put together those financial strategies and how do they use those things like stock recs and trading accounts, etc. To de- both analyze and see how where they can actually improve their business well it, it's it's a fun it's a platform to say do i know my numbers i do and there's a, the next conversation that's apart from that is and you talk about building business strategies the extension to that and the supporting conversation is also do i understand risk and, and that opens up a, a, a plethora of discussions and my Highlight to to discussing risk is consistent with the Australian Institute of Company Directors process, which itself is modelled on uh, the Institute of Risk Management. And it's quite simple is that we identify a risk and then we apply a, a rating, a combination of likelihood and consequence. And then we ask ourselves, is that risk acceptable or not? And then what are the strategies we put in place to manage that risk? At the heart of managing that risk is knowledge, and we make informed decisions to carry risk on the basis of knowledge. And I'm not sure if I can make it any simpler than that, David, but if there's one thing that we can do to build the capacity of Australian farmers is to build their understanding and to build their knowledge. And this is not a skill set that is inherently, and it's quite a broad-reaching statement because there'll be quite a few that will challenge me on this, but if we consider the skill set around Australian farms as quite diverse and multi-purpose, that at times this financial conversation is not a strong point, so therefore it doesn't get the attention that it should. And then in today's climate with the returns that are being experienced, it probably doesn't quite get the attention it could, yet those that are, are taking those opportunities that do present. My experience with our clients, Mark, and you might have the same experience with yours, is the clients who treat their finances really as a strategic role in their business as opposed to just a tax role in their business. You know, by and large, seem to be the most highest performing. You know, they're they're just as probably, let's let's call them even on their ability to grow livestock and grain, et cetera, but they seem to outperform um, their peers when it comes to financial strategy and risk management. Do you see the the same within your base? Yes, it, your that's a consistent experience. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. Those 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 producers, those clients that 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 are across their financials on a weekly, if you know, basis, and that tool's available. Vis a vis those that see their financial process as a compliance tool once a quarter, there's quite a stark or marked difference in business performance. Whether it's a level of enthusiasm, whether it's a level of knowledge, I'm not really sure. But yeah, your observations, I would say, would be very consistent across whether it's East Coast, West Coast. I'd be, cha- I'd be happy to be challenged to say it's unique to one particular. I don't think it is. I think it's across, across industry where it happens to be. If I might say, David, that 
the consistent habit of those that, that, that have a more frequent attention to their financials are more in tune with what their financials are telling them and therefore responding both to rents that, that have taken place or able to respond to emerging events. So uh, comes back to the same point, a really robust set of financials and financial process around balance sheet, profit and loss, training accounts and cash flow, those four together, those businesses that understand that process, I think we'd all agree would, would tend to see opportunities and take challenges that others may not. Yeah, I think the opportunities you mentioned is actually really important. You know, I always say uh, a good cash flow, and um, to go on to your point, that re- weekly and monthly check-in on your cash flow and your actuals, etc., is almost a form of time travel, isn't it? You know, because you can see things coming before they come, so you've got time to react or both, both you know, to, to mitigate risk or to take opportunities where they might come, you know. So it's a form of uh, it's rather than just reacting on the spot. I like your term, the, the, the time traveller. I think that's one of the better descriptions I've heard it described. But you're, you're right. Using that to delve into find those insights that helps someone debate that input-output relationship. If I put something into it, what am I likely to get out of it? Is this a risk I'm prepared to take? I think this has got a result. It's got a 50-50 bet. I'm prepared to take it or I'm not. And I think the conversation around risk is, is quite an important one because what you say is an acceptable risk, I may not, or vice versa. And who's right? The truth is no one's right. I think the process becomes one of of enabling people to make their own judgments around risk. Yeah, do you think um, people who start managing their finances really well and, um, and having those processes put in place like you mentioned and and keeping up to date with it on a weekly, monthly basis, do you think they actually get better at managing risk? And I would so I always think sometimes in ag, we, you know, you're taking on a fair bit of risk each season with the expectation of a return and it's all about your risk appetite and your ability to manage that risk etc do you think people actually and have you sent it with your clients get better at no as if they get into that habit they get better at it so they can actually strive a bit harder absolutely and because they're better at it they make an informed more informed call about risk and that's not to say something's more risky than the other the only bad risk is an unquantified risk so therefore, they may elect to take a, a more aggressive trading position in line with a particular class of livestock. The basis of that is they know the numbers, they know the parameters of which it, which it can work. So they're happy to, to take that opportunity. It's because they've said, to make this work, I need one, two, and three. I think the risk is I can have one and two worked out. Three is somewhat of an unknown. On balance... I'll take the opportunity. And I'll quote a specific example. For those who actually have a, uh, a, take a livestock trading enterprise, a view around market by knowing what the value of their inventory, how quickly it turns over, enables them to make a decision to say, yes, I will enter the market and buy or I'll sell or I'll stay in the market, I'll keep running a position. And that's involved a combination of grass, have cash on hand and current inventory position, but they're building skills and they have the capability to pull those numbers apart to say, this is an informed decision. Because I've got got intelligence, I will take that opportunity as opposed to someone else who may not be as deep 
on these processes and may not see the same opportunity. I just say a great parallel to that. There's, there's um, what you mentioned. What I like about that is this ability to about making informed op- opportunistic decisions based on numbers rather than just going for it and hoping that you're going to get the outcome you're looking for. You're actually saying, okay, I make money at this point. Um, this is where my costs are appropriate and I'm going to make a deliberate decision to either trade out or sell at that opportunity because I know my costs, I know my turns, I know. So you're not guessing at any rate. You're, you still have to play the market. But at the end of the day, you know when because you've got a very good idea about at what point you make money. Yes, it's, it's not a guarantee. It could go right or wrong. It could go left or right. Um, but the point is you've actually made a call on what's known to you to make an informed decision to say, yes, I'll do it or no, I won't. As I said, it's not a right or wrong answer. There's a great – there was a great – yeah, you're quite right. It's not right or wrong. It's risk management, like you keep going back at. I was going to say a story. The story I was talking about is I was um, I was part of a financial panel a number of years ago in, um, in in southern New South Wales, and one of the guys on the panel with me was a grain trader. And um, in we went to four towns, and each town we went to, someone would say, um, I won't mention his name, he, they used to say to him, what's a good price for wheat at the moment? And he goes, look, I don't care. He goes, I'm a trader. I clip the ticket whether you sell it to me for $30 a ton or $300 a ton. He goes, what I'm concerned about is you don't know what price I could offer you to make money. And he was the whole time, and I just sat next to him the whole time, and I love this message. At the end of the day, um, he traded grain for his own reasons. Uh, He was a trader. But he was saying that um, no one in the room could tell me at what price they made a return. And I think this is the same point that you're making. This is obviously in the grain industry as the livestock industry is you're saying about, you know, something as simple as knowing at what point you break even, recover your price and start making profit. You can make a judgment call whether it's a good price or a bad price in the market. Perfect, exactly. And and I think one of the processes I like to walk people through, particularly, you know, it starts with knowing your balance sheet. What do I own? What do I owe? What's my equity? All right, so that's a known point. Well, what would you like? How well would you like this business to perform? Oh well, look, I'd like you know comparison to to say a, a listed entity, mind you. Some 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 of Australian farms are approaching you know that same size, but that's another discussion. All right, so what if we actually work on a targeted return on equity of four percent? Pick a number. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. All right, well let's work backwards to what those numbers may or may not look like to achieve that result. But it gets to your point, David, of actually using those numbers to, to work to a desired outcome uh, as opposed to taking the, the position that, well, look, I'll, I've got grass, I've got a season, I haven't got a season, I'll do what I do and I'll hope for a number that turns up in, in 12 months' time. So to take your grain story into another plane, if we know the, what the components of our balance sheet, what it looks like, and we have a goal for you know a strategic return on equity, and I said I've picked four percent, but I'm happy to take anyone's call on that one. Then, quite simply, we're using that, those financial processes to work backwards to make decisions that fit that objective. Now, if that's selling grain at three hundred dollars or two thirty dollars, well, it's whatever it happens to be. Does it involve? You know, lambs through a sheep feedlot at such and such a turn, you know, three times, four times a year, so be it. 
our, our, our sheep dynamics around joining new lambs or maidens or whatever we do. Who knows? The fact is that we're making informed decisions on the back of having some really robust uh, financial processes. That creates confidence. Confidence creates that, that mental well-being of saying, good, I've, I can make decisions based on what I know as opposed to the, the, the time adage of, well, we're in the, in, in the hands of the weather gods. Well, we've always been there with climate volatility, uh, another considered risk. Well, let's move the decision process to the realms of where we can have an influence um, as opposed to the frustrations of what's not in our influence. And I say that with some sensitivity to the current experiences on the eastern, east coast with uh, farmers being had a one in 50 year flood event where significant crop damage has has, um, has taken place but even that in its own right david i've got to say those that um, have had some crop off are able to look back and say geez we are surprisingly resilient and if we can actually by building these financial processes promote resilience um, I think that's a good thing. Yeah, definitely. And I think the point, there's a couple of points you made there. You know, that peace of mind, I don't know exactly, but the words you're using is we, we have the same experience. Clients who keep their numbers up to date, like you're mentioning, um, always mention that one of the main reasons they do it is peace of mind. They know where they're at. And I think people underestimate, um, it sounds really counterintuitive, but having good finances gives you or good financial controls and processes like you're mentioning gives you a, a real sense of peace of mind. I just want to drill down on another thing you mentioned about, you know, those good financial processes. And and we talked about, you know, right at the beginning, we talked about, you mentioned the difference between, ta you know, keeping books for tax as opposed to keeping it for insights. Can you drill down a little bit more on that? You know, what is the difference between like a farm, farm person just keeping um, their books for just compliance and tax as opposed to recording extra information to develop insights and the value of those insights for you as a, both an advisor to that client or to the client themselves or to the farmer themselves? First of all, that tax accounting process is generally once or twice a year process. Uh, in a number account, we know the result 14 months after the event and maybe prior to that with, with some tax planning. The heart of what we're doing is to build management processes. So the start of the conversation is that these management processes are management accounting and the tax accounting follows that management accounting process. For example, a chart of accounts that's specifically designed to tell you how well your business is performing or not performing. It's not an alphabetical process. Let me get into a technical point. Do we know... And have we set our chart up to break out our overheads so we know what it costs us to turn our, the key on our business every 12 months, 100,000, 200,000, a million, whatever that happens to be? Secondly, have we broken out the, the, the enterprise direct costing so we know that what it does cost to run an sheep, cattle, wheat, cotton, grapes, poppies, whatever, but we've actually got a robust process to understand, you know, the economics of that business. Do we understand what our turnover, our top line number, and where it comes from? It comes from the trading accounts. Using management values, a decision to hold is a decision to buy. We are carrying those livestock, they are worth X. 
not saying sell them. I'm saying you make a decision that that it's a known decision. So mm. what you'll find is that one of the biggest drivers of profitability around a livestock enterprise is simply the number of animals that are eating grass. Knowing that, we, so it's a case of saying, well, I can work on a hundred dollar gross margin per DSE. I pick a number. It's it's just so it happens to line up at the moment. Therefore, my profit is driven by the number of DSEs that I can run. Reproduction performance influences the number of DSEs, the number of animals that I produce. If I can drive that number forward, then I'm in a position to actually drive my reinvestment decisions. But without being able to break those numbers out, it's just an end of year once, once a task. And sadly, you know, I touched on this earlier, the, the growth of the online accounting environment is that this financial process has become simply a commodity. And to be fair to the accountants, they've worked out by using a tool like Xero that their businesses are more efficient, inherently they're more profitable, and handling transactions has become a commodity. It's become automatic. Um, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying it's come at a cost. Um, We've made it quick and easy, and I'm sure that... I know with Cashbook, we could do an auto bank, bank feed. I'm sure AgriMaster has got exactly the same capability. So we, we can make those processes simpler, but there's no substitute for having those numbers and understanding them and taking responsibility for it. And I've got to be make a point here. I'm pretty quick to highlight the role of the accountants in, in, in this commoditized transaction process. It's still your business. You still should take responsibility for it. It's not a process to be outsourced. And I think that's the thing. I think what I hear you mention there, first of all, responsibility. It is your numbers, your business, your responsibility. And it's almost like um, don't allow yourself as a commodity grower to become commoditized. Um, at the end of the day, it's it's your business. And, it, and at the end of the day, there's a, there's a whole lot of, um, profit and risk to be managed by actually, you know, treating those numbers as a set of management accounts that eventually will produce a um, tax, uh, some tax reports for the government and through your accountant. But that's not why you should be doing it. Absolutely, that, that's spot on. It's look if 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 I go back to what's an acceptable governance standard in. You know, I reference you know, the Institute of Company Directors as that standard. But embedded within that is that an expectation that our director would have a very, very deep understanding of a business financials. Yet somehow, David, we're having this conversation if it's something new. We're really just talking about embedding what is a consistent governance standard that applies to other businesses within the Australian economy back to ag. So in a sense, I'm a little bit lost to say, why have we got to have this discussion? And I think it's because we're probably not used to that type of process. Those businesses that do and are, I think we find their performances generally um, it would be at a standard that in excess of those that don't. What we're articulating is a need for a financial management process that is aligned to your particular industry that gives you a very strong oversight on those indicators that are driving your business forward and equally important, those businesses, those indicators that represent a risk 
or a threat to your business, but the point is they're in front of you and you can respond to it. Um, and it's a standard that is embraced uh, particularly across the, the, the listed entities and those bigger entities. So we're, we're just asking for what, what for what is a standard process to become a standard within within AG. Definitely. So uh, the last couple of questions, Mark, to wrap it up is, now, your clients or the people you work with, what rhythm do you recommend for them, like in the way they manage their fi- in particular their finances? Do you have a rhythm that if you said they come to you and go, Mark, how often should I be doing my books? How often should I be reviewing my budget? You know, those sorts of things. What What's a rhythm that you would normally recommend to your clients? Uh, I would recommend depending on the volatility of the industry they're in. So if it's a fairly static state, Less than volatile enterprise, probably once a quarter is probably sufficient. If you have a more volatile uh, and a position where there is some risk involved, I would actually accelerate the say monthly at a minimum and perhaps even a little bit more frequently. The answer to your question, though, is understanding what type of risk that you're prepared to take and then what sort of processes do you put in place to support that risk. Yeah, it's a lot like driving a fast car. I was just watching the um, F1 last night, Mark, and I was just thinking, you know, like when, the, you know, the higher risks take, you take on, the closer attention you have to pay, isn't it? So it's like uh, Absolutely. whether that be driving a car or driving a, a, a business, you know. the Yeah, that, yeah. exactly, um, David. The, 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 that sums it up very, very neatly. Risk averse is not a bad thing, but risk aversion without backup processes and supporting processes is uh, verging on negligent. Very good, Mark. My final question for the day. So you're all over ag and agribusiness. So what do you do when you're not talking farming, writing about farming or consulting on farming, Mark? <laughs> Thank, thanks. Yeah, thanks for the, the, the last-minute question without notice. Oh, look, I enjoy, um, <laughs> to be honest, I, I enjoy those things that make up regional Australia, visiting regional Australia from the coast to the west. What gets me out of bed each day is actually being part of regional Australia. I think it's, it's you know, we've all travelled the world, but meeting and talking to various people and what they do and is that excitement. But you've got me touched on, on a point that is quite I will take a moment to explore, but the capacity of our next generation is extraordinarily exciting. To spend a moment to share a conversation with uh, our 20-year-olds who are coming into wanting to make a career in ag is tremendously rewarding and and, uh, and engaging. Yeah, outside the box, do is just talk to talk to Regional Australia. Those con- sharing a coffee with Regional Australia is is uh, yeah, is a moment to be shared. Definitely. I think it's a special place. I mean, I'm a city boy these days, Mark, but when I do get out to travel the country like you with our clients, you live in a beautiful part of the world, but when I when I get out in the country, um, it's almost like you get out of your car for the first time and you take a big breath in and you go, oh, yeah, that's it. You know, it's um, it's good to get out and, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a little bit more urban than you are these days, but... Uh, I, I, I back that up. It's beautiful out there. It's a magic place. Yeah, if we can make one, one, one contribution to build the capacity of regional Australia, then I think we're doing our job. All right. Well, Mark, 
thank you very much for your time today. I really appreciate talking to you and I've, I've learned a lot from you. All the best in the West. All right. Thanks, Mark. Cheers. Bye. As always, if you'd like to know more about AgriMaster Farm Business Management Software and Services, you can find us at www.agrimaster.com.au or find us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram. If you like this episode, please share it on social media or directly with a friend and let's make farm business great together.